Hello, welcome. I'm Harriet Minter and it's a truth universally acknowledged that when you start a creative project, you're filled with excitement for it. And then a week in, you feel like a mouse at the foot of a mountain. Daunted. So this week, we're asking the question, where do we find the courage to write? I'm joined by author and journalist Radhika Sangani, whose new book, 30 Things I Love About Myself, is out in February next year and is exactly what you need to cheer yourself up in the dark winter months. We talk about the terrifying incident that led to her becoming a writer, discuss how to find pleasure in writing, and look at how you can build characters on real-life people without them getting mad at you. The thing I loved most about talking to Radhika is her gorgeous optimism and belief that it will all be okay. She made me feel like this big task that I was undertaking wasn't just easy, but actually a joy. And she reminded me how lucky I am that I get to play with words. That's just the reminder I needed, and I hope it's one for you too. But before we get to Radhika, it's time for the weekly check-in. This is the scary bit for me. It's the bit where I ask you to hold me accountable for getting this book done. And honestly, this week, I feel like I haven't really done enough. I'm really feeling how slow it can go. So I've written another 3,000 words, but it's feeling a bit like wading through treacle. I'm writing women's commercial fiction, which tends to be quite pacey and action-driven, But this week, I feel like I can't move my character on without taking you through every event that happens to her. And you really don't need to know what she's had for breakfast every single day. I did get some good advice from a writer's group I'm in though, which I thought I'd share with you in case it's of use for anyone feeling this way too. I write with the London Writers Salon, who are an online group. They're absolutely amazing. Do go check them out. And I shared this feeling of wading through treacle in one of their check-ins. And this is the power of community, really. So good. As I was explaining the frustration, I saw one of the other writers in the group nodding along. She absolutely knew the feeling, she said, but she thought I could try and switch the perspective on it. So rather than trying to fight the treacle, could I just lounge in it and luxuriate in it instead? What she was suggesting was that rather than trying to sprint through the words and push for the finish line, why don't I relish the time it was taking? Enjoy the slowness the way you would in a long languorous bath or on a gentle hike through beautiful countryside. Experience and just embrace the feeling of knowing you're going to be here for a while and lean into it rather than trying to fight against it. It was good advice and so this week I have been trying to embrace the process rather than fight against it. I'll be honest that's not my nature but I am learning and it's about the growth And I get to hang out with my characters for a bit longer and watch their lives be created. And actually, I am enjoying that. So I'm going to choose to see that as a gift and not get distracted by the prize of the finish line. Someone who knows how easy and how hard the creative process can be in equal measure is my guest this week, Radhika Sangani. If you're looking for maybe permission or encouragement or just some inspiration to get going, she really has it. Here she is. So I'm very excited that this week I get to have on an author whose new book coming out was just honestly, possibly the highlight of my pandemic lockdown. It is the amazing Radhika Sangani. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. 
So let's first of all talk about the book that basically brightened my 2021, 30 Things I Love About Myself. When is it coming out? So it's coming out in January and that makes me so happy to hear how how much it brightened your lockdown because um, and it's just a book I'm so excited about. It's, um, it's really all about self-love and in a way it's kind of like I've sort of shoved a whole bunch of self-help messaging into an actual novel. Um, so it's a comedy, it's fiction, but it's just got lots of kind of positive messages in that I just really kind of want to spread to the world, especially post-pandemic. I loved the self-help aspect of it. I love a bit of self-help. And actually, one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you about it was because it's raising an issue for me that I'm now finding in writing a book, which is when I read this book, I sent you a message, I think on Instagram afterwards, basically saying, I love, love, love your book. It's so amazing. All of the things that your brilliant character, Nina Mystery, does in this book I've done them too. I know exactly what that experience of going on a self-help journey is like. We should get together and talk about that as though you were your character and you had had all those lived experiences. Why do we associate people with the characters they write? It's so true. This happens to me all the time. <laughs> and the funny thing is that, that, you know, there is some truth in it, but I find that, um, you know, when I write fiction, I definitely put a lot of myself into the books, but that doesn't necessarily mean I am the main character. Like lots of me goes into different characters and the novel as a whole or a random character, like an elderly male character could have lots of my personality in, but nobody really thinks about that. People always assume as a woman, if I'm writing a book with a female protagonist who's of a similar age or background to me, then I must be her. And I really do just think it's something that mainly happens to women. I just don't think male authors get it as much. I really do. I mean, I was thinking Philip Roth writes really lechy male characters. And I have always assumed that Philip Roth was quite a <laughs> lechy man. Um, and I don't think I'm wrong, is what I would say. But we do seem to do it more with women. And I wonder if that's because particularly if we like a character we then want, we kind of want to be friends with them. And so we hope that the author is like them so we can be friends with them. It's true. I mean, in a way, I, I like to take it as a compliment, you know, that people, <laughs> that my characters feel so real. People just assume I must be my character. <laughs> um, and it's funny because even friends, when friends read my book, they're like, I've been trying to spot which bits are you or which bits I recognise from your life. And I'm like, can you just read my book as a book, please? <laughs> like, you know my life. If you want to hear stories about my life, I'll tell you. Um so yeah, it is something that always happens, but I've kind of, I think with my first book, I wrote my first book when I was 22 and it was young and the whole experience was hard because it was scary. And um, my first book, Virgin, is a comedy and it's like a comedy about a girl trying to lose her virginity. And it's kind of a bit flea bag in tone. So it's, a kind of, it's quite out there at times. And to write it so young and have everyone assume it was, was me was actually just really hard and quite stressful. And it made me really anxious, to be honest. And it was quite hard to sort of promote it. But now doing it almost a decade on with this book, I feel so much more confident about it. And I just, I feel, I don't know. I just, I think I just feel a lot more able to sort of own it and enjoy it and not really care what people think. So can I ask you about that kind of early experience then of Virgin and Ellie, who's the heroine trying to lose her virginity in it. And 
the kind of the experience that I am having right now that I, I guess I wanted your advice and wisdom on mm. is I'm writing a heroine in a fun book who does some stuff that's not very nice. She does some stuff that, you know, potentially if we were to sit there as a moral arbitrator of life and say this is a good thing, that's a bad thing. She does some stuff that's not very, it's not, it's not very good. And I am have obviously in my life done some stuff that's not very good. I'm not a perfect person, but I like people to think I'm a perfect person. I'm getting a bit in my head about this whole process of what happens if you write someone and then people identify it with you. Mm, it's How so did you hard. get through that? I mean, I can completely relate, but I just think the one thing you have to do is just not care. <laughs> and I know that sounds so easy, but that was my whole journey was learning to not care. And I think it's the only way you can really write a novel. Like, I definitely have this with writing a second book. So when I did Virgin, and then when you get a book deal, you tend to get them for two books. So you've already written the first book, and then you do the second. And doing the second for me has always been hard. And I'm doing my next book now that's after 30 things. And it's a different story. But for me, it's really hard because suddenly I'm in my head about what everyone's going to think. And the journey for me is just taking a step away and being like, I am writing this book for me. And I always write the books I wish I could read. And so in that way, I am my audience. I am my dream reader. And I'm quite nice to myself. <laughs> and I've learned to be really compassionate to myself. And so if I think of myself as the reader, then the whole experience just becomes a lot easier. Whereas even if I think of, you know, friends reading it or family or my agent or, you know, people who are going to think I'm a terrible person because my character's terrible, it's actually impossible to write. Um, so yeah, I just think my biggest advice with that is just to take a huge step away from it and be like, it doesn't actually matter. You know, I'm doing this for me. I love that. And I love this idea that actually you're writing a book for you to read. You're not writing a book for anyone else to read. I mean, I'm having a bit of a panic at the moment because um, at, literally as I record this, I am in a studio by Paddington Station so that I can record this and then go to Paddington Station and get on a train to go on a writer's retreat. Wow. I was like, oh, yeah, it's lovely. It was all very last minute. So I'm really excited about it. But I'm absolutely terrified about this idea that I have to take something that has been entirely mine in my own head mm. um, for, you know, three months or something and share it with other people. Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> who did you first share your books with? Do you have a go-to, this is a person who's gonna be lovely about it, whatever, they can read it first? Yeah, I do. I have my friend Ella and she's a good friend of mine, but it's funny, she's not my closest friend. It's not like I share it with my best friend. It's just, she happens to be a friend who, um, we're at school together and we're just really big readers. And I've just always shared, my books with her first and with 30 things I actually sent it to her as a google doc when I'd written a couple of chapters and she got so into it that I ended up basically writing the book for her because <laughs> she was like I'm going on holiday can you write some more chapters and so it was just so fun actually writing it for a reader who was so into my characters and my story and it gave me so much confidence and I think if you know if you are ever lucky enough to have a friend who just really supports everything you write and seems to actually love it it's just the nicest thing because if you can't do that for yourself you know if you're struggling with whatever you know imposter syndrome or just feeling like everything you're writing is terrible or whatever it is. It's so lovely to have somebody who's kind of there as your cheerleader. Um, but I also actually used to go to these writing meetups online where we, me and random writers would just sit in cafes and write together. And um, in one of them, you would read a bit out at the end of what you'd written. 
And I remember for the very first time when I was writing Virgin, literally nobody had read this book. I was 22, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I sat there and I just, I was like, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna be brave, fuck it, I need to be brave. And I just read uh, like two paragraphs of what I'd written and they laughed. And I was like, oh my God, they laughed at my jokes. And it was just like the most empowering feeling. So I'm so glad I faced my fears and read it to them because when I saw their reactions, I was like, oh my God, it's translating. Like what I want to do is working, they're getting it. This is such a good feeling. Oh, I love that. And I love that they laughed because I really want to ask you about writing jokes. Yeah. You are you are a really funny writer. I, it's What I got from your book was I was like, so I live in a tiny flat yeah. and I have a shelf of books, which is essentially books I know I will reread again. So I don't have to be brutal with them and cast them out. I can be yeah. like, no, I'm definitely reading them. And your book is on there because I know when I want to be cheered up, it is a go-to book. <laughs> <laughs> How do you write a joke? Is there a process to it? Oh my God. Do you know what? It's, I, can I just say, it's so lovely that you think my writing is funny because I think in person, I'm actually not that funny. Um, <laughs> it's, so, it's really awkward because people assume I will be because if they find my books funny and then I'm like, no, I'm really sorry. I can't do jokes in person. I'm terrible. But I love doing it when I'm writing. And I think it's because I'm not a joke teller in like a you know witty pun, one liner kind of way. I just love funny anecdotes and funny situations. So like, I laugh a lot in life and things that are absurd, I just find hilarious or things that are embarrassing and terrible. I just find them all really, really funny. So those are the things I love to write in my book. And I just, I will imagine something happening in my head. And if it makes me, and you know, I, I basically imagine it until it makes me laugh. I'll change little details until I find it funny and then I'll write it. So. I don't think I do like one-liner jokes, but I'll try and write funny situations, if that makes sense. It definitely makes sense. And it definitely comes across. And I also, I love your idea that, you know, not funny in person, but very funny on paper. Because I always fear that I'm like quite funny in person, but not funny on paper. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like how people are really different, you know, on Twitter and Instagram to real life. It, it's yeah. just, but I just think, you know what? Embrace it. Like just do whatever feels right. For me, it's really natural to write jokes in my in my writing, and that works for me. But when I've tried to do, you know, stand up or fun thing, I've never actually done stand up. But when I've tried to kind of do courses and that sort of thing, it just paralyzes me. And I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter. This is this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not so great at. I can't do everything. That is a very good philosophy. I love it. <laughs> Did you always know that you were going to be a writer? Because you started your first book really young. Yeah, it's a really dramatic story. Um, I was had just been in a really terrible accident in Thailand where lots of people died in this bus I was on. And I weirdly was completely fine. Like people around me died or lost limbs or were really badly injured. And I had not a single injury. And it was terrifying. I was so young. I think I came out with PTSD, to be honest. Um, and this happened in February and then I came home a little bit traumatized and very, very, very sad. And normally the way I heal myself in life when things are difficult is by reading, but I was so traumatized that I couldn't read. And so I, that was the first time in my life I decided to actually write and to create. Um, that's when I wrote Virgin, which is, you know, a sex comedy. And it's so different to what I'd just been through, but it was the most healing thing. And, you know, it's the cliche. I almost died in the accident and it made me think, and somebody I'd met who was 23, a year older than me and way cooler than me and so beautiful and amazing had died in this accident. And it was this real wake up call where I was like, 
she died and I've been given a chance. You know, I've, I'm still here. What do I want to do with my life? And I was like, well, I've always wanted to write a book. And, you know, it wasn't even I want to get a book published. It was literally I want to write a book and have a Google, you know, a, a Word doc on my on my laptop. Google Docs didn't exist then. Um, where, you know, that I'd literally written myself an entire book. And so the accident was in February. And in March, I just spent the entire month in a Cafe Nero near my mum's house just writing the book. That is an incredible story. Yeah. Incredible story. Do you still have that sense when you're writing of I guess that time is limited that you have an opportunity that you have a chance so you're going to take it yes a hundred percent I I do like that experience you know I'm, I'm healed from it I don't have the PTSD anymore I'm, I'm okay but that experience always stays in my head as just genuinely we have no idea what's around the corner in life and if this is what I want to do then it's so important that I'm brave enough to do it. Like if I have an idea for a book and I know it's what I want to write and it's my passion, then this helps me move past any fear of failure. This sense that like, I don't know, I don't want it to sound really morbid, but sometimes when I no. write my books, I'm like, I'm just so scared that I won't, I'll die before I finish the book, like something will happen. And not in a, not in a really, you know, me being traumatized in, in a sad, scary way. It's more just that I have this sense of, oh God, I really hope I managed to finish it. Like. I just really hope that life lets me finish this book because every book I write, I just really love it. Like I'm writing it at the time because it's a story I love. I'm in love with the characters. I love the message I'm trying to put out there. And it just means so much to me to be able to, to finish it. So sometimes <laughs> I write my books really, really quickly. Like I do the first draft really quickly and then I spend a lot of time editing them. And I think it's partly because of this because I'm just so keen to actually finish it and make sure it gets out there. I'm gonna ask you a bit about your process, but I have to say like that story has almost taken my breath away because, yeah. so I'm, there's another author that I'm interviewing for this series and she started, wrote her first book, I think in her late forties mm -hmm. and she'd been diagnosed with breast cancer and she talks about how she made a deal with God. She was quite far along, it wasn't an early diagnosis. She said, if you let me live, I will stop fucking around on the rest of my life and I will sit down and write the book I promise and she got through it and so she was like right I've got to sit down and write the book and she wrote it and I in November last year ended up in hospital very close to death because um, I ended up being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and it was all very dramatic and I wasn't making any deals with God but I did come out of it very much with a sense of oh hang on this is everything is time is much much shorter than I thought it was yeah yeah I can't I can't sit around here and wait on something you know, it, it, these stories are all just so powerful and so real and they, they just really resonate with me because it's just so true, isn't it? It's like, it sounds so basic and simple to say it, you know, life is short, yeah. something happened and it makes you think life, but it, it's just true. Um, and actually like, I have a bit of a life philosophy where I always think on my deathbed, what's going to matter to me? Like, what will I be proud of? What will I be glad I did? And, you know, it's obviously a lot of the normal stuff, like spending time with people I love. But also it's my writing. It's like being brave enough to do the thing I love. And I, you know, in some ways I'm really grateful that these things have happened to allow me to have that philosophy. Because, you know, as you know, writing a book is scary and it's hard and you can have loads of obstacles, the practical 
logistical ones, but also the emotional ones. And when something like this has happened to you, it help, it gives you that strength to push past all those fears and obstacles because you just think it makes you get really up close and honest with what you actually want. And to me, it gives me that courage to do what I actually want to do. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. I want to ask you a little bit about how you write. So you said you write your first draft really quickly. Go on, terrify me. How long does it take you? Virgin I wrote in one month, um, which is mad, I know. Um, 30 Things, which is my most recent one, I wrote in a summer. Um, So a few, maybe three or four months. And then I probably spent a few more months editing it. And do you plot it out are you a plotter or a pantser are you kind of plotting it out flying by the seat of your pants which how do you do it so it's so interesting because it's changing for me I used to never plot I would just kind of write and see what happened and just let the characters do their thing I'd have a really vague sense of of an arc of a story like this is going to happen then everything's going to go really terrible then it's going to be good and like that was literally my plot (laughs) um and as I would write it kind of all just made sense but I think that's also because I I spend a lot of time with my characters in my head and I'm like the weirdo that goes for a walk just daydreaming about what my characters are doing and what they're up to so I knew them really really well so doing it in that way made sense to me but I'm starting to change um and with my latest book my fourth book that I'm writing now like a very early draft I'm doing now I've plotted it so intensely I've done like real structure I read a book on structure I've I've done things (laughs) I've never done in my entire life (laughs) and it's so interesting because it is so different to how I used to do it and I'm learning so much and I used to think, you know, you're either a plotter or you're someone that just makes up as you go along. And now I'm like, no, you can learn, you can practice, you can you can experiment, you can do both, you can challenge yourself and grow. And it's been hard doing it this way, like really, really, really hard, but also kind of cool in a different way to know that I can I can do it like this. Do you think that will become something you do regularly now or do you think you'll keep changing and adapting? I, I, I hope I'll continue to change, but... I hope that I'll take the best bits of this that I've learned and continue and make them part of my practice. Because there is something, I'm not going to lie, it's just so much easier to write a book if you know what's going to (laughs) happen. In a way, I'm like, God, why did I make it so hard on myself before? Um, But, you know, there's pros and cons to both. Like when I would just make it up as I go along, it felt so creative and fun. I would just be like sitting in a cafe, like having the best time and just laughing to myself and being like, this is so weird. What am I doing? Um, Like, why is this character doing this? But it's fun. And now... I kind of get that in a different way when I'm sitting there plotting it all out. And then when I'm writing it, it's a little smoother. And I don't know. I don't know if I'll keep going. I'm go- I'm curious to see what this book is like when it's done. I'm curious what my publishers think of it, if they think it's better or worse than the last one. Um, and I, I guess that's it. I guess that's my, my lesson is that I don't want to get too attached to it all. I don't, I'm happy to stay curious and be like, this is an experiment, what works, what doesn't, and not take it all too personally. Like, oh God, I'm a terrible writer or I'm an amazing writer. More just like, okay, this works for me, this doesn't, let's see how we go. I love that because then you can also be like, oh, I'm going to just experiment with this thing. Oh, it didn't work, never mind, moving on. Yeah, exactly. And it, it just makes it a bit lighter and a bit more fun rather than this really big, serious, I'm writing a book, you know, like which can feel really whoa and big and scary and intense but if you're doing it as like oh I'm writing a book and I'm experimenting and I'm trying new things it just brings a sort of lightness into it 
I wanted to ask you about a piece I saw this week. So this piece of advice comes from Sebastian Fawkes, who was interviewed at a literary festival, and he said that he's no longer going to describe the female characters in his books as he keeps being accused of doing it really badly, or as he put it, through that fancy phrase, the male gaze. I love this idea that he's basically gone, you don't like it, I'm not doing it. Screw you. <laughs> basically, you dare to critique what I do. I'm having a huff about it. I'm not doing it anymore. Um, but I wonder what, for you, this says about writing characters that we don't have direct lived experience of. So, for example, right now I'm writing somebody who's a mother. I am not a mother. So I think all my mother friends are going to be like, Harriet, what are you doing? This is not how it works. Um, but should we should we stay away from it? How do we do it better? Do you think we should take the Sebastian Fulks route and not write characters we don't have lived experience of? In short, no. I find it so weird <laughs> doing this. Like so odd. Like writing is fiction. It's creating. And you know, what about there's just millions of examples of you know historical fiction. Like the whole thing about being a writer is if you don't know what you're writing, you do some research and then you write it. Um, that's what I thought. <laughs> and it just, I don't know what he's saying about this. I just find it a bit, it's almost like he's just having a hissy fit, like a tantrum. He's like, fine, I'm just not going to do it. Um, and I just find it a bit ridiculous, you know, like just try, if you're being criticized of like having a real male gaze when you describe women, then try a bit harder, speak to women, see what's actually wrong with it. You know, find out exactly why they feel that way about your descriptions. Don't just shy away from it. I also find it quite dangerous because I write characters all the time that I am not. And I find it would be so boring if I only wrote about me just over and over and over. I mean, I don't even have that much to say about myself. I mean, it's just, you know, it would be so dull. I want to be a novelist for the rest of my life. I want to write books forever. I can't just write about me and characters that are exactly like me. It's too limiting. And I would hate to live in a world where we have to do that. I just think that would be really sad and unfortunate. I totally agree with you. And then my only hesitation, and it probably would not have happened any other week, my only hesitation has been the Twitter madness that has been the bad art friend from, I think it's the New York Times. The New York, I can't remember which one. Did you read this? No, I missed it. So bad art friend was a piece that appeared, I think in the New York Times, please listeners correct me if I'm wrong, and it's New Yorker. If you haven't read it, I'm going to say, don't waste your time. You won't get that time of your life back. Let it go. But essentially, there are two women in a writer's group together. One of them is white. She's from a very poor background. She's kind of pulled herself up by her bootstraps and is very much a wannabe novelist, has never had anything published, um, and has a sort of, I suspect, an air of quiet desperation about her at all times. She's one of those sort of slightly desperate people desperate for kind of attention and recognition and appreciation and then the other one is very successful she's middle class um she is chinese american she grew up in a kind of quite affluent background uh but a very white background so she's always quite aware of being chinese american in this white background and um she has had sort of a little bit of success publishing short stories so neither of them are a big deal but they've they've had you know varying levels and the white woman um, decides that she is going to donate a kidney, not to anybody in particular. She's just going to donate a kidney onto the donations list and somebody who needs a kidney will be able to have it. It's a very kind thing to do. So she sets up a Facebook group 
specifically for what she calls her close friends, talking about this process of donating a kidney. And this other writer is in the Facebook group, doesn't engage with it, never comments on it, and then writes a story, a short story about a Chinese American woman who receives a kidney donation from a white woman. And in her story, neither of the characters are particularly nice characters. So this white woman is not a very nice character. And the white woman in real life decides that basically this is uh, now she has plagiarized. This is correct. She has actually plagiarized a little bit. This woman wrote on her Facebook page. It ends up in massive lawsuits. And they basically have now spent 10 years suing and countersuing each other based on this idea of who is a bad art friend. And what sits at it at the bottom of it essentially is this woman saying, hang on, you stole a story from my life. And the author saying, well, hang on, I'm an author. Stealing stories from people's lives is what I do. Mm. Is that true, do you think? And if so, how can we perhaps steal without ending up in 10 years of lawsuits and yeah. tearing apart Twitter for four days. That's so hard. I, I don't know. I I don't like the idea of stealing. I, it just feels a bit a bit mean, a bit cruel. Um, but I'm definitely inspired by people around me and their stories and their lives. And I think to me, to me, there's a difference. Like I wouldn't, I would hate for somebody I know, anybody to read my book and be like, wait, that's me. Or they took that from me. I don't know what the bigger ethical thing is, whatever, but for me personally, I don't like that. I don't want to feel like I've hurt somebody in some way. But it's obviously true that people's stories and situations inspire me. And if it's a really specific one, I'll probably reach out to that person and be like, do you mind if I use this in some way? Um, Like, you know, why not ask if it's so specific? Like, this is such a specific story she could have just asked. And if it's more subtle, you know, I'm probably guilty of doing it in a subtle way. I think I, you know, even you, you just absorb things and you can't really remember where you heard it from sometimes. And then you just, you use it and then you might have taken it from somebody's life, but without really meaning to. And I think it's tricky and I think it's hard. And I think we will all make mistakes at some point. Um, but I, you know, for me, if you're doing it with good intentions and you're trying to be kind and you're trying to, you know, create no harm, then that's really all you can do. It does actually remind me of a story I used to tell about a kind of, well, I used to tell it as a funny story that happened to me in my 20s. Now I look back on it, I'm like, I think that was actually minor sexual assault, but okay. Um, Like, you know, it happened in your early 20s and you sort of, you tell it in that, oh, I've got a funny dinner party story, let me tell it. And I remember being at a party and somebody telling me the story back as, oh my God, so I heard about this girl who, and telling me my story back. Wow. And having this kind of weird reaction to it, which was like, oh, on the one hand, it is a great story. And on the other hand, oi, this is, this feels really odd. This feels really odd. How do we kind of use ourselves, our own stories, other people's stories as inspiration without crossing that line into, oh, this feels uncomfortable now? Mm. I guess the true answer is, I don't know. I'm still on that journey myself and learning how to do it. With Virgin, my first book, the first scene happened to a friend of mine. And I asked her at the time if I could use it. Also, the, the difficult thing with that book for me was, I didn't know that book would ever be published. I just wrote it as a, you know, for fun. Um, and so, so much of what I wrote, I just wrote really naturally. And then suddenly once I knew it was being published like six months later, it all happened really quickly. I was like, oh God, what do I change? You know, do I need to change stuff? And it was all such a whirlwind. And I reached out to a couple of friends 
And they were like, no, it's hilarious. It's fun. Go for it. And I think one friend, I used like a minor anecdote of hers. And she was like, I don't like that you use this. And it hadn't even occurred to me to reach out to ask her because it, was, it wasn't even about her. It was more about a guy she once dated, not her. And I was, I was so upset that I'd upset her. It just, it was a really horrible feeling. Um, you know, it was okay. We, we got over it in a five minute conversation, but it just really upset me. And since then, I think I've just been really wary of it. And I guess I'm more, I'd rather use from people. I, I, don't, I don't really know what I do now that's different. I think I just think about each bit a little bit more carefully. And I just try and decide with my own moral compass what I feel is right um, and take it from there. And I guess I'm scared that I'll make mistakes again in the future, but I just hope that <laughs> trying to do it, you know, doing it kindly and doing it in the best way that I can, you know, at least I tried my best. And I think, as you say, actually, it's a, that's an interesting lesson there, which is when you reach out to people and said, oh, this is thing and how do you feel about it? Everyone's like, no, delighted, amazing. Mm. Um, and the one person that you didn't, they're like, oh, hang on. I know. I just didn't even think it was that big a deal. And I think that's the other thing. Like, the truth is, it, what might be a big deal to me isn't someone else and vice versa. And it's just so hard to get it right and to do it all perfectly. So, you know, what I will do at the very least is just change literally everything so that they, apart from the core, so that they hopefully won't think it's them. <laughs> I think that's reasonable. That's allowed. Yeah. So I want to ask you kind of finally, what is the one piece of writing advice that someone has given you that you really works for you that you would want to share or that you think actually is just a useful thing people should know when they're writing? Hmm. Joanne Trollope, I once interviewed her and she, she now sells, you know, loads of books all the time. She's constantly writing, but it happened for her a little bit later. I think in her late thirties, she started to become quite successful, but also she'd written quite a few books um, before she became successful. And she gave me this advice, which was to, um, she was like, sometimes you've just got a few books in you that you just need to get out and they'll be a bit rubbish. They'll just be like all your issues. They'll be like, you're writing about your mum issues or abandonment or whatever. Um, and then once you've got them out of the way, you can get to the good stuff. <laughs> and I actually just really liked this because sometimes I, I do think that's true. Like I have a book that I wrote when I was, oh, I did actually, I did start writing a book when I was at uni. I tried to write a chiclet when I was like 19. Um, and it's just the most embarrassing thing ever. I don't think I showed anybody, like a single person. Um, but there's something, I think there's something in that. There's something about just writing something, getting it out there, and then you can get to the good stuff. And it can happen, it can happen for you later in life. You know, it, it doesn't have to be the first book that you write is going to be your good book, your best book, your favourite book. You know, it, it, you, you get better. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. It makes total sense. And I love this idea that actually it's like what you've really given me, thank you so much for that, is this idea that actually just just sit down and write. The writing isn't the hard bit, right? Just sit down and write something, bash it out. And if it's not very good, that's okay. Let it go. It's true. It's it's liberating. It's it's so liberating. And obviously, you know, I wrote my first book in a really difficult place. Like I'd just been through something really hard. Um, and my my subsequent books I've written, you know, generally in a happy place. Like I've been, life's, life's okay, things have been normal. Um, but that writing that first one from that place of absolute rock bottom, you know, just being very broken as I wrote it, was almost also quite liberating because I just didn't care 
about you know what anyone thought I, I was so sad that I was almost free just to write whatever I wanted without those normal concerns and voices in my head and even now when I've written my books from a good place I still have that sense of like freedom you know like this is something you're doing for you you're doing it because you love it no one's forcing you to write so try and you know do it in the most authentic way to you that you can you know, try and have fun with it I think that's my personal advice is to try and bring some joy into it I love that advice thank you so much uh Radhika, it's been delightful talking to you I've absolutely loved it 30 things I love about myself is out in the year it's just the most delightful book it's just joyous please go read it and buy it I honestly I'm like an uber fan of it I just loved it so much <laughs> thank you so much it's been so lovely speaking to you that was the brilliant Radhika Sangani her new book 30 things I love about myself is available to pre-order now if you've been inspired by her and want to get creating then good news it is time for our creative confidence exercise each week I give you a little exercise to boost your creativity and hopefully get you started. This week it's one of my favourites from the brilliant Julia Cameron and her book The Artist's Way. If you haven't read the book I highly recommend it. It's sort of a 12-week guide to kick-starting your creativity and she manages to calmly and quietly tear down every creative block you might possibly have. And one of the first things she deals with is the problem of finding time. If you think you don't have time to be creative, she suggests that rather than putting the emphasis on using what time you do have to create, you should instead use this time to fill yourself up, to do something lovely for yourself, which might spark some creativity. I think what she's saying is that we can't create from a place of exhaustion and tiredness. Instead, we need to do the stuff that makes us feel inspired. So she suggests taking yourself on a weekly artist date. This could be a date to an art gallery or a theatre production, but it could also be taking yourself off for coffee by yourself with just a good book for company. Or going for a long walk in nature and letting your senses really experience everything around you. Whatever it is, the ground rules are do it alone, allow yourself to be fully present in the moment, and give your senses permission to soak up everything around you and your brain permission to play. That's it. Go have a date with yourself. And if you're so inspired by your date that you want to create something from it, then wonderful. But that's not the point. The point is to give yourself time to explore. I'm going to do this this week too, and I'll make sure to post about it on Instagram. I'd love to see your artist dates too. So if you take yourself off somewhere wonderful, please do pop it on social media and tag me at Harriet Minter so I can see what you're up to and maybe get inspired for my own artist date the week after. Thank you so much for listening this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. As ever, it really helps the podcast be discovered by other people if you rate, review and follow us. That's how the podcast gods know that this is worth listening to and tell other people. It makes a huge difference to people finding us. I suppose there is a question which is around whether or not you have to be seen by other people to be creative. I hope not, but it does help with a podcast. I'll see you next week.